Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Perhaps it's already been stated, but today is Family Sunday, and uh, our children and our students are in here with us today, and it's good to all be together. Doesn't, don't people look good around you right now? Be careful, because your, your spouse is standing near you right now. You need to agree to that. <laughs> Amen. Garrett, good to have you back home. Garrett Thomas is back home from CLC, fresh off the preaching tour. Amen. So good to have Garrett back home, and it's just good. Uh, Chandler, good to see you. Amen. This is what I get. I start naming people, and I'm surely going to miss somebody. So if I don't call you out or introduce myself to you, it's certainly not because I'm trying to. I just am so thankful that everybody is here. If you got John 15 in your Bible, would you say, I'm there? Good. That sounds like quite a few. Maybe we have a quorum. Maybe we have a majority here. John 15, and uh, for those, how many of you were here in church last Sunday morning? Would you wave at me? You were here last Sunday morning. Do any of you remember, and this is dangerous for a preacher to ask this question, do any of you remember what the title of my sermon was last Sunday morning? How to be rich. How to be rich. Now, I have an idea that probably when we post that to YouTube, we're going to get quite a few clicks on that one right there. Maybe not because they want to watch the whole sermon, but that, that's what you call clickbait right there. The pastor's going to tell us how to be rich. Well, today, and by the way, uh, when I was younger in ministry, I, I used to try really, really hard to come up with snazzy titles. I think I probably told you this before, but I'll say it again. I preached one time, Brother Orla, a message called A Horseshoe a grenade and a conquering brigade. And the sermon was as lousy as the title. Oh, I tried really real. I preached another message. Brother Odell may remember that. I preached another message. One of the first conferences I ever preached at was a message entitled, Short People Have Every Reason to Live. Seriously, that was my title. Do any of you remember that song from the 70s? Sure people got no reason. Sure people got no reason. How many of you remember that blasphemous song? Well, I preach sure people have every reason. We've all come short of the glory of God. But we got a reason to live because of the cross. Well, I, I'm not going to be creative today. Today I'm preaching how to be rich, part two. Some of you are so excited right now. Here's the words of Jesus in John chapter 15 and verse number 5. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, everyone say abides in me, abides in me and I in him. Notice the prerequisite for him abiding in us is us abiding in him. He will bear much fruit. And then I love, I, I don't like it because it sounds negative, but I love because of the truth embedded in it. The last part of verse number five. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, if you have that in your Bible or it's on the screen, I want you to read that last phrase. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen how to be rich, 
part two. Let's pray right now. Let's ask the Lord to talk to our hearts. Would you do that? Lord, thank you for this great, great morning. I feel your presence so real, so strong. We felt it in the prayer room, Lord. We felt it and experienced it as Sister Lindsay and the praise team have led us in worship. I ask in the name of Jesus that you will let your glory fill this house. Give us ears and hearts to know your word, to live by your word, to walk after your word, Lord. I pray that every distraction, Lord, that would be in this house would be driven out by the authority of the name of Jesus. And Lord, in place of the distraction, let there be a singularity of focus as we focus on your word. Speak to us in Jesus' name. And everyone, would you say amen? Amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. words of Jesus have always, always amazed me. The words are in red in a red letter edition of the Bible, and there's something about when you read those red letters and words that piques my curiosity. Because if I want to be a true disciple, which means a follower of Jesus Christ, then what he declares in his word is what I need to listen to. It's the roadmap, it's the template, it's the pattern, if you will, for a successful Christian life. This is why when I read the text that we read just a few moments ago, and Jesus said, unless you abide in me and I in you, you can do nothing on your own. Now, I, I wish to just try with God's help to make that plain today. Jesus didn't say that if you are separate from him, you won't exist. Jesus did not say if you don't abide in him that you won't live a life and you won't occupy space on the earth. But Jesus said if you are not abiding in him and he is not abiding in you, then there is nothing lasting that will take place in your life. I'm preaching this morning to people that I look out across this congregation and I think perhaps you're like me. We want our life to count. I don't want to live my life and be buried in a grave someday. And the only thing said about my life is that I had a dash between my birthday and my death day. But in that dash, I want to live life to its fullest. I want to be used by God. I want his purpose to be done in my life. How many of you have that desire today? You want to do more than just exist and take up space. Jesus said you can do nothing. And the inference here is nothing lasting when we are disconnected from Jesus. 
He goes on in the very next verse past our text to say it like this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. I want you to see this in your Bible. I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it in your Bible in verse number six. He says, if you are not abiding in him, we'll talk about what that means in just a moment. But if I am not abiding in him, then that branch will be withered. Everybody say withered. Withered speaks to the present state apart from the vine. The present state. And then the end result will be that those branches will be gathered together and they will be thrown into the fire. That is the ultimate state of being apart from the vine. So there is this progression when I am disconnected from the Lord. There is this progression when I am disconnected as a branch from the vine. I will first wither. The word wither means to dry up. There's no life-giving power coming in that branch any further. That's the present state of being separated from the vine. But then ultimately those branches will be gathered together and they will be cast into the fire. That is the ultimate state of being separated from the vine. Yesterday, because of the beauty of the day and the no rain in the forecast, I decided to do some yard work. And I was cleaning up around our yard and as I was kind of trimming hedges and going through the, the, the yard work routine, I came across several branches that were in the grass, just had fallen off of trees, and I gathered them together. And us preachers can get sermons from anything. And so I'm all hot and sweaty. I have these branches, Tom, gathered together, and I threw them down on the driveway. And I didn't have my phone with me, so I said, I went inside, and I said, Stacy, can you bring your phone out here? And she came outside, and I want to show you what I took a pet or take a picture of. That was on my driveway yesterday. That is an impressive picture of branches, is it not? They were just laying here or there. There was no rhyme or reason to the branches, and so I decided just to pull them together. And then I had a thought. I said, you know, Tim, there is a pile in the backyard that you've been meaning to burn for a long time. This would be a good collection to take to the burn pile and to burn. And so I gathered those sticks, that impressive group of sticks right there, and I brought them back to the burn pile and I lit them on fire. And James, when I lit them on fire, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And said, remember what you are preaching tomorrow morning at New Life. I said, oh my goodness, Lord, you let me live this sermon out 24 hours before I preach it at New Life. Here's the thing. There's nothing really impressive about that pile of branches. right? Put that back on there, Brother Corey, if you would. There's nothing really impressive about that pile of branches. Here's why. Because they are totally separated from their purpose. They are totally disconnected from any life-giving source. Can I tell somebody in this house, and I feel it in my spirit to make sure we know this today, there really is little hope for you and for me when we're disconnected from Jesus. It's why life doesn't make sense. It's why we get disgruntled. It's why we wake up grumpy and we go to bed grumpy and we can't seem to find the thrill like we used to find. It's not because the thrill isn't a thrill anymore. It's because we're not connected to the source of power. 
Oh, I'm praying that something will happen inside of us on this Sunday morning that will say, if I'm disconnected, I got to get reconnected. If I've been separated from Jesus, I got to plug back in. I must let him give me life. And remember what Jesus said, without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Now, I want to give you two points, and just so you know kind of how my brain works, which is a little scary sometimes. In my notes, I put above these two points, huge points. So I don't think they're going to put huge points above it on the screen, but just know that what I'm getting ready to tell this church on this Sunday morning are huge points. Look at someone and say, this is going to be really big right here. First of all, God does not allow things in our lives to make us comfortable. He allows to make us fruitful. That's huge. Now, that's tough, but that's huge. That's so good, I'm going to say that again. God does not allow things in our lives to make us comfortable. He allows to make us fruitful. Ready? Nudge your neighbor and say, here's number two. Number two, the purpose of my fruitfulness is to nourish others. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a virus going around right now. And its, it's uh, acronym is not COVID. That's going around too. But there's another virus going around, and it is called meitis. where it's about me, it's about my comfort. I live my best life right now. It's me, 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 me. I come to church and he makes me feel good. I go to prayer and it scratches that itch that lets me know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and living for God. It's about me, when really, if you and I really look at it intently, we will find that what God does in our life, and better than that, what he allows in our life, is to produce something in us that helps somebody other than ourselves. Oh, I want to pre preach to some saved folks right now. We are billboards to the world of what the Lord is for us. We are signposts to somebody. When he brings something in our life, can I say it right? When he allows something to happen, it's not because he's some cosmic bully. He's trying to produce something in us that will be useful to somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Now, I want you to see this in the scripture because this is, this is very, very powerful. There are four levels of fruitfulness in this passage. And I want you to see this. So if you have your Bible, look at it. It's, it's good sometimes to see it in your Bible. So you're like, yeah, that is there. Verse 2. John chapter 15 and verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Everybody say no fruit. He takes away. More on that in a minute. Every branch that bears fruit. Everybody say bears fruit. He prunes. More on that in just a moment. 
that it may bear more fruit. Everybody say more fruit. Now look at verse number 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. In the span of eight verses, Jesus talks about no fruit. He talks about bearing fruit. He talks about more fruit. And he talks about much fruit. Now I did a little looking because this agricultural theme is wound all the way through scripture. It's one of the most predominant themes in the Bible is an agricultural theme. And we live in an agricultural state. We got farmers all from one side of this state to the other. So I think it's quite appropriate for us to look at this today. According to the Clemson College of Agriculture, if there are no flowers on a plant, then there can be no fruit that is formed. Flowering precedes fruit. Now please listen. Clue in with me right now. When we are connected to Jesus Christ, Our lives, by virtue of that connection, will begin to produce evidence of that connection. And if it continues, fruit will come. A plant doesn't start off shooting fruit out. A plant starts off putting flowers out. And when the flower comes, the fruit will come. When there is the initial evidence of connection there, it will naturally, if healthy, produce the fruit. If there is no fruit, then God will intervene to do whatever is necessary to produce that fruit. But this is something I said at the close of last Sunday's sermon. God always acts with redemption in mind. That's huge point number three, by the way. I didn't put huge point over that one, but that's huge right there. God always acts with redemption in mind. Everybody say that with me. God always acts with redemption in mind. Have you ever come into the house of the Lord and the service goes on, the praise team is singing, the preacher gets up and preaches, and all the while there's a little gnawing inside of you going, "Mm, ooh, I need to get right with God. Oh, yeah. Hmm. You ever had that mm, mm, oh, moment with God? Now, the truth of the matter is, if I was to have people raise their hands that have ever felt that in a church service, there'd be a lot of hands go up in this room right now. Do you know what that is? That's a good old-fashioned word called conviction. Now, we don't hear a lot about that word anymore. I don't preach a lot with that word a lot anymore. Conviction. You know what conviction is? Conviction is our friend. Conviction doesn't just make us feel bad in a service. There are people across this world today that want to go to church just simply to feel good. But if I'm apart from God, I don't need God to make me feel good. I need him to stir me up to get right with him. And when he stirs me up, when he allows conviction, when he allows that gnawing inside of me that propels me and pushes me to prayer, it's because he has redemption in mind. He has something of redemption in mind. Now... Again, I think it's important for us to understand, if there is no fruit, God will intervene, and he will discipline us. He'll come alongside, and he will act with redemption in mind. Look in your Bible at that second verse again. He says in in, in verse number two, 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You see that? Now, if we're not careful, we can read that verse. That's in the New King James Version. We can read that verse and we can think in terms of our mindset. If you're not bearing fruit, tough luck, you're out of here. But that's a Western mindset. I want you to go in your Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter number four, please. The first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter number four. And I want to show you something in the scripture. This is going to be good for us as we learn to study God's word as well. Matthew chapter four and verse number six. This is the first time that that term or that word take away is used in the New Testament. And those of you that have been a part of this church for a while, you know that there's a principle in studying scripture called the principle of first mention. The principle of first mention says if you want to understand the the premise behind a topic or a subject in scripture, go to the first time it's mentioned. And it will many times give you context for how it's to be understood in the rest of the Bible. So the first time that take away or taking away is mentioned in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 6. And here's what the scripture says. The, the, the devil has Jesus, and he's on a, a high place, and he says this. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Watch this, here it comes. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. It is in this passage that we see the definition or the real example of what take away means in John chapter 15. The the Lord is not speaking here and saying, if you don't bear fruit, tough luck, you're out of here. What he's saying is, if someone does not bear fruit in their life, the vine dresser, our heavenly father, will come along and he will bear you up. He will pick you up. He will position you maybe in a better place to begin to produce a flower, which will then produce fruit. That's the, the goal of a good vine dresser to make sure that those plants have the best chance possible to grow. Oh, I feel it today. I want someone to understand this. Your heavenly father is on your side. He's on my side. He wants us to bring forth good fruit. And so if we're going through our life and we're not bringing forth fruit, he will do what is necessary to bear us up, to lift us up and bring us where we need to be to produce fruitfulness. That speaks of the character of the one to whom we are connected. When we consider this lifting process, we go to Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 3, and we see the character of this great God who does the lifting. Here's what Isaiah the prophet said, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. How many of you have been at the place where you needed the Lord to lift you just a little bit? Anybody been there before? Anybody ever disappointed yourself and you didn't need the vine dresser to come and take you away and and throw you in the rubbish pile somewhere? You needed someone with loving arms to get up underneath you and to reposition you to where something could happen that would bring forth fruit. Come on, he's a God of restoration today. He's a God that knows where he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. When there is no fruit, he'll lift us up. He'll reposition us. That's the way he does. And so as we consider this, and I know we've got some people in this room, I'm amazed by your green thumb ability. 
I don't have that. I don't have a green thumb. I have a black thumb. I, I can touch it and it really get bad. But as I was studying through this, I thought we got to get a little bit into this agriculture. What is it that causes a plant not to flower? In other words, it's connected, but it's not producing a flower that will then produce fruit. How does that happen? And as I'm looking at this, the first thing right out of the gate that gardeners say happens when something doesn't produce flower or flowers is they're in too much shade. And so the vine dresser will move the plant into the light. David said it like this in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I am so thankful that when I'm not bearing fruit, he repositions me and puts me in the light. He takes me out of the shadows. He takes me out of the shade. But can I tell you something? We have to be willing to come out from the shade. We have to be willing to not tuck ourselves in the corner and say, I'm just going to go about life and, and, and kind of go, go away. No, we've got to come out and be honest with God. We've got to be honest with one another. Let the light shine. This is how he lifts up a plant so that flowers can come and fruit will remain. Everybody say, get out of the shade. Look at someone and say, get out of the shade. How do we do this? We invite God's word into our lives because the psalmist said it like this, your word is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. I want the flowering process to grow in my life. So that's what causes no flowering. What causes no fruit? The thing that causes no fruit predominantly is no cross-pollination. Now, we're going to have a little agricultural lesson this morning. You ready? Here we go. Everybody put your agricultural hat on right now. One of the ways that plants can produce offspring is by making seeds. Seeds contain the genetic information to produce a new plant. Flowers are the tools that plants use to make their seeds. Seeds can only be produced when pollen is transferred between flowers of the same species. Watch this. It's on the screen. How does pollen get from one flower to another? Flowers must rely on vectors to move pollen. These vectors can include wind, water, birds, insects, butterflies, and other animals that visit flowers. We call animals or insects that transfer pollen from plant to plant pollinators. So with that in mind, let me reread part of that paragraph. These vectors can include wind, water, birds, insects, butterflies, other people in the church, other saints of God, and other people in your small group. See, some of you got that right there. Some of you were saying, I didn't see that on the screen. Do you know what happens week after week after week after week after week after week in a local church? There's a whole lot of cross-pollinating going on. 
We're all of the same DNA Holy Ghost species. But when fruit comes, it only comes when there is pollination from one to the other. And so everything I go through in the body of Christ is an opportunity to let something germinate in my spirit that would produce more fruit in my... There's a whole lot of vectors in this room right now. There's a whole lot of cross-pollinating potential in this room right now. I say let the body be the body. Let the church be the church. Help each other grow and produce fruit. Oh, I'm having a ball. I don't know if you're getting this, but I'm having fun right now. <laughs> you know, thank you, Brother Tim. There's something that happens when you're in the body of Christ. Can I say it like this? There's something that happens only when you're in the body of Christ. My interactions with you and your interactions with me and your interactions with someone else are not just happenstance. They are God's way of producing something in us that will produce fruit that helps someone else. Is this making sense today? Look at your friend next to you and say, hello, Vector. Paul spoke to the Romans and said it, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so I'm just gonna get right down where the rubber meets the road. When God wants to produce fruit in me and it's not being produced, sometimes he will lift me up by allowing me to have interaction with what I call a grace builder. Testing, one, two, three, check. Someone who rubs me the wrong way. Someone that I just don't get along with. And it might be easy for me to hightail it out of that and say, I want nothing to do with that person. I'm going to sit on this side of the church. They sit on that side of the church. When really, God may be using that person as a vector to perfect something in me to produce fruit in me that can help somebody else. Praise God. Now, in the second verse... I mean, got past verse 2. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He lifts up. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, on the surface, when I read that verse, when I, Sister Lexi, when I see Jesus say, everybody that bears fruit, initially I start thinking, isn't that what he's wanting? Isn't that good enough? But according to the vine dresser, everyone that bears fruit, the vine dresser's goal is more fruit. And so he takes an action and he begins to prune. Oh my. Bruce Wilkerson wrote a book years ago called Secrets of the Vine. It's on this exact chapter in the Bible. And he tells the story of a man coming home from traveling and he had a gardener that worked at his house 
And this man had a beautiful fence row full of roses. And this man arrived back home from a trip to see the gardener standing at the fence row, cutting away at the vines. And the homeowner was aghast. He screeched into the driveway, jumped out and said, Stop! You're ruining the fence row! What are you doing? Look how beautiful those roses are. And the gardener looked at him, probably with a little disdain, and he said this. Do you want a pretty fence row? Or do you want more roses? Because you can't have both. Do you want something that just looks good to people? Or would you want more roses? And the only way you get more roses is you got to prune that thing every once in a while. you got to get in there and cut some things away every once in a while. But if you will do that with discretion and care, it's going to produce something that goes far beyond what you even see to your eye right now. How many of you in this house, you don't want just fruit in your life. You want more fruit in your life. Well, that desire, that desire produces at times the pruning process that the Lord brings us through. And I will just tell you something, that is not fun. It's not comfortable. But his purpose for pruning in our life is to cut away immature commitments. Cut away lesser priorities. To make room for even greater abundance of glory in our lives. See, without a pruning process, we will only be able to live up to a fraction of our potential. But pruning, listen, listen to pastor right now. Pruning is how God answers our prayers that our life will please him and have a greater impact in eternity. You know what I'm beginning to learn more? And I don't have this figured out, but you know what I'm beginning to learn more? Some of the most mightily used people, if you look in their life, you won't see a silver spoon that they were born with. But you will see some pruning times in their life that they handled correctly and they yielded to God. And they didn't get offended by that. But they said, Lord, I'm going to choose to trust you right now that what you brought me to, you can bring me through. And I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to learn the lessons I need to... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to learn the lessons I need to learn right now. I'm not going to get all emotional about it. I'm not going to live up here trying to figure everything out. But this Jesus that brought me to this will bring me through it. I'm going to give my myself to his purpose. I'm going to let this process work in my life. Sometimes he's got to cut some stuff out of me. Because if he doesn't cut it out of me, I can't get to that next place in him. I want you to stand with me if you would. When I'm connected but I'm not bearing fruit, he lifts us. He pulls us into the light. He allows people in our lives to pollinate us, to produce fruit. But then if we are connected and we are producing fruit in order to go to more fruit, he prunes.
But I just want to say this, and I feel compelled in the Holy Ghost to declare it like this. We can trust the one with the pruning shears. He's not trying to kill us. He's trying to grow us. His goal is more fruit, not just fruit. Now you will notice if you've been paying attention in this sermon that there were two other types of fruitfulness that I will not discuss today other than just to make a cursory comment about it. Jesus says this, once more fruit comes and it is yielded to the Lord, it will produce much fruit. Do you know what has to happen to produce much fruit in our lives? I'm talking about the highest level of fruitfulness. Ready? And this is probably not going to be real popular with people in this room, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. You know what will produce, go, take us from more fruit to much fruit? Ready? Time. Oh, no. Come on, Pastor. Give me the magic wand. Just come over me and rub all over me and let that anointing drip down on me. And Come on, just impart it. Ooh, I believe in impartation. Just impart. No, no, it doesn't happen like that, folks. If you've ever seen a prayer warrior that looks like they have a direct line to heaven, you ever met anybody like that? They're the kind of people that when you have a need, you call them first. Do you want to know how that happens in someone's lives? You want to know how someone has a direct line to heaven? How they're producing much fruit in their life? That takes time. But we have to commit to that. Listen, I, I just... I got, I got spiritual antennas up today. I feel a lot of stuff happening in the Holy Ghost right now. But the reason why there's flippancy sometimes in the body, in, in church, out of church, in, in with God, out of God, is because we haven't settled the issue, I'm in this thing for the long haul. Listen, it makes total sense in living for God if you will settle the lordship issue. Settle the issue. He's going to be Lord of my life. What is in this book is going to be what I live by. Once we settle that, fruit can start being produced in our life. But it's absurd for me to not settle that issue and then hope to be like Jesus. Amen. I want fruit that remains in my life. I want fruit. I want much fruit in your life. I want us to be able to look back 15, 20, 25 years from now when some of you have grandkids. You just have little kids right now, but you've got grandkids toddling around you. And I want you to say, you know what? It's sweeter today than it was 25 years ago. I've been letting that fruitfulness work in my life. I've been letting the pruning process. I haven't got angry at God. I haven't always understood the pruning process, but I trust who is doing the pruning. And it's producing something in my life. Here's what I want to ask us to do. We're going to come together as a church family right now for prayer. We'll do it with respect in mind. We don't have to waddle up on each other. But if you're here and you just want to signify to the Lord Jesus that you are hearing what is being preached today and you want to respond by stepping out and coming and standing as a family and praying together with us today, you don't have to be a member of this church to respond right now. But if that's you, if you feel that call in your spirit, I want you to step out quickly if you would and come and just stand along the front here of this church. We're going to pray together. We're going to pray together. Hallelujah. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us right now. 
You know what? I'll have more to say in just a moment, but I want us to feel after the Lord right now. Someone is, someone's receiving the word right now. Go ahead and pray. Just say whatever you want to to the Lord right now. As you step out and you come up to the front right now, or maybe you're standing where you're at, I want you just to open your spirit to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, this message has resonated with somebody here today. I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, we're praying right here at New Life. Those of you that are watching online right now, let the Holy Ghost minister to you right now. Let the word that's been preached marinate in your spirit right now. Go ahead and pray in your living room, wherever, you're, wherever you are watching right now. Let the Holy Ghost minister to you right now. Some of these points are resonating in our spirits right now. We can trust you, Lord. We can trust our Heavenly Father. We can trust the vine dresser. We can trust you, Lord, that when you cut something away, it's not because you're being mean to us, but you always have redemption in mind, oh God. You always have redemption in mind. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Those of you that are here at the altar, I wish you'd pray specifically with me right now. We don't always do this, but I want to put on the screen something. I want you just to gather your hearts and your minds around right now. This is the way that I felt it when I was putting this sermon together. It's just simply, Jesus, help me to produce fruit with my life. Is that your prayer right now? If that's your prayer, I want you to pray that to the Lord right now. Jesus, help me to produce fruit with my life. I don't want to simply exist. I don't want to simply go through the motions. I don't want to just live and it be a dash in between a birthday and a death date. Help me to produce fruit in my life, Lord. Help me to produce fruit in my life. Come on, let's go a little further. Jesus, lift me up when I'm not producing fruit. Woo! Come on, that, that takes a brave soul to pray that prayer right now. Jesus, lift me up. Get me out of the shadows. Jesus, I'm asking you to help somebody. Be, send somebody in my life that's going to help produce some fruit in my life. Help me, Lord. Lift me up when I'm not producing fruit. Come on, step on into it right now. Say, Jesus, let me see pruning as necessary for more growth in my life. Somebody pray that out to the Lord. That's tough to pray that, but I feel like spiritual maturity is trying to take place right now. Jesus, help me to see pruning as necessary for more growth. Let's pray it right now. Jesus, let my life produce much fruit so you will be glorified, Lord. We don't want to just be connected. We don't want to just produce fruit, but we want much fruit, Lord. We want to nourish somebody else through our life. We want to have the richness of life, not just a get-by life. In Jesus' name. Why don't you pray for someone that's near you right now? The Holy Ghost is at work. I want us to sing to the Lord right now. There is a move of God's Spirit that is coursing through this altar right now. Here's what's happening. This whole church is an altar right now. This whole sanctuary is an altar right now. This whole place is an altar right now. Come on, sis. There's a reason that he's been pruning in your life. God's been working. If we'll allow it, it'll produce fruit in our life. 
Come on, let the gifts of the Spirit operate in your prayer right now. Somebody's identifying with it right now. Somebody's understanding it right now. Somebody's connecting with it right now. Overtake us. We're living for you, Jesus. Our confidence is in you, Lord Jesus. You're the one we need, God. You're the one we anchor in today. You're the one we anchor in today, God. We're going to trust you. We choose to trust you this morning. We choose to trust you this morning, Lord. We choose to put confidence in you today, Lord. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh. Come on, that's it. There may be a breakthrough for that person that you're praying with right now. This might be a day they look back on and say, I remember when God touched me. He changed my thinking. He changed my mind. He changed my mindset. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Minister to one another right now. Minister to one another. You're the one we're living for. Oh. Nothing we want more. We want more. Oh, yes, we want more. Oh, sing it out now. Sing it out. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Come on, we're not in a hurry today. The Holy Ghost is at work right now. We're not in a hurry this morning. The Holy Ghost is working right now. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. It's about being your disciple, your follower, Lord, walking after you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I decrease as you increase. It's all about you. Sing that again. I decrease, I decrease. It's not about me, Lord. It's about your kingdom. It's about your kingdom, Lord. Oh, it's not about me. I decrease, I decrease. Oh, as you increase. Oh, 
It's about you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, your word has been declared on Sunday morning. Your people, we have heard your word, God. By virtue of hearing your word, we are all now accountable for your word. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will let this seed that's been put forth in this house today go deep into our hearts, Lord. Don't let the enemy come and pluck it out, Lord. Don't let the cares of life crowd it out, Lord Jesus. But I pray, Lord, that you will do what is necessary to bring forth much fruit, Lord. Much fruit, Lord. Much fruit, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. What a beautiful thing to be in the body of Christ today. What a beautiful thing. I'm thankful for a body that has grace one toward another. The reason I say this today is because I'm not aware of any major contentions among people. So I'll go ahead and speak it right now. How we put up with each other really makes fruitfulness come or dissipate in our life. The reason why I can say that is I don't have anybody in my mind right now. But folks, we're in this together. Look at somebody and say, whether you like me or not, this is what you got. It's us. So we might as well pollinate one another. We might as well let the Holy Ghost use each other to produce something fruitfulness in our life. Amen? Amen. God, go with your people. Let your face smile on this group this week, Lord. Whoo, I pray this last week of July that you'll do something in this church, Lord. You that have begun a good work in this church, you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, you'd go with us. You'd let our steps be ordered by you, Lord Jesus. Give us opportunity to share a testimony this week, Lord. Let the powerful gifts of the Holy Ghost operate in every family in this church, Lord. Keep us from offense, Lord. Keep us humble in your presence, Lord. Keep us walking after your word, oh, oh God. I pray a powerful visit of the Holy Ghost at Iglesia tonight, Lord. I pray that people will be filled with the Holy Ghost. People will continue to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus. And we thank you. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Every time we come together, we have water for those that are ready to be water baptized. If you're ready. You want to have the name of Jesus called over you in water baptism, the only saving name that is attached to baptism in the Bible. Let us know. Wave at somebody. We can baptize you today after you've repented. May the Lord bless you. You're dismissed whenever you would like. Have a wonderful week this week. Don't miss Wednesday night. Great time of prayer coming up. There's a parent meeting for all the Nexus students going to the retreat in the chapel would you please head to the chapel parents parent meeting next door